Welcome to PQ Doc on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. I'm Pradeep Kamat. And I'm Rahul Demania, and we are coming to you from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Emory University School of Medicine. Welcome to our episode of a seven-month-old X26-week premature infant with acute hypoxemia, bradycardia episodes, and poor perfusion. Here's the case presented by Rahul. A seven-month-old, ex-26-week male, was transferred from the outside hospital to our PICU for tracheostomy evaluation. The patient was intubated on the second day of life. He had a prolonged course on inhaled nitric oxide for the first two to three months of life in the setting of severe pulmonary hypertension requiring high-frequency oscillatory ventilation for a prolonged period of time. The patient failed extubation attempts multiple times. The patient also received steroid bursts throughout his course, and he was trialed on bronchopulmonary dysplasia ventilator settings. This included a lower rate, a longer eye time, a higher PEEP, and larger tidal volume. All of these did not provide any improvement to this patient. At the time of transfer, he was in a pressure-regulated volume control mode on the ventilator. His tidal volume was 10 mLs per kilo. FiO2 was 50%, PEEP was 8, he was on a rate of 28, and his peak pressures in the volume control mode was about 27 to 32. The patient received albuterol Q4 for bronchospasm and wheezing, along with pulmicort respules BID. The patient was deeply sedated with morphine and midazolam. His interstitial lung disease panel was negative. Echo showed systolic septal flattening, moderate right ventricular hypertrophy with normal systolic function. The patient was not on any pulmonary hypertension medications at time of transfer. The patient was on furosemide, hydrochlorothiazide, and spironolactone, also known as triple diuretic therapy. The patient completed a course of Klebsiella tracheitis for a endotracheal tube culture a week prior to the PICU admission, and the patient was tolerating and J-tube feeds. The team continues to evaluate his case as the patient continues to have episodes of acute desaturation, tachycardia, cool extremities, and poor perfusion. So Rahul, to summarize key elements from this case, we have a seven-month-old who is an X-26-week preemie. This infant has bronchopulmonary dysplasia and is on high vent settings and failing extubation. Abnormal echo uh, cardiogram with flat septum and hypertrophied right ventricle. Episodes of cold shock, tachycardia, poor perfusion, and cool extremities. Ongoing hypoxia, all of which bring up a concern for acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis. Rahul, let's transition into some history and physical exam components of this case. What are the key history features in this infant? who presents with an acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis. Rahul, this infant has a prematurity and bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Remember, listeners, that bronchopulmonary dysplasia is defined by an oxygen requirement either at 28 days postnatal age or 36 weeks postmenstrual age. Pradeep, are there some red flag symptoms or physical exam components which you could highlight? Yeah, Rahul, this infant has uh, the presence of a cold shock. 
as evidence from the tachycardia, cool extremities, and poor perfusion. The infant also has hypoxia. A cardiac exam uh, reveals a bounding right ventricle, prominent loud single S2. Although not obvious in this patient, some patients can also have a palpable liver, cardiac gallop, peripheral edema, and even jugular venous distension. I do want to highlight the physiology of the S2 heart sound. Now, the S2 heart sound represents the closure of the pulmonic valve very closely to the aortic valve. In pulmonary hypertension, a single loud S2 as a physical exam sign is going to represent equal right and left ventricular pressures. Rahul, to continue with our case, uh, were you impressed with any of the labs the patient had? So, Pradeep, his labs were significant for a respiratory acidosis on his blood gas. His CO2 was greater than 100. His CMP and CBC were relatively normal. His hemoglobin was appropriate. His BNP, interestingly, was just mildly elevated, and his serum lactate was normal. Remember that patients who have pulmonary hypertensive crises can have unique echocardiography findings. Echocardiography findings in these patients can show tricuspid regurgitation. We can estimate right ventricular systolic pressure on echo, and by extension, we can estimate the systolic pulmonary artery pressure by using the tricuspid regurgitant jet velocity in combination with other echocardiographic findings. Using the modified Bernoulli's principle, which is four times the TR jet velocity squared, we can estimate the systolic pulmonary artery pressure. If the systolic pulmonary artery pressure is greater than two-thirds systemic blood pressure with severe flattening or posterior bowing of the interventricular septum, this patient can thus be then diagnosed with severe pulmonary hypertension. Pradeep, say that this patient had a PDA on echo. What would you see here? Rahul, when you see a predominantly right-to-left shunting across the PDA, that suggests that the patient has suprasystemic systolic pulmonary artery pressures. And as a result, these patients can be severely hypoxemic. Okay, to summarize, we have a seven-month-old ex-26-week preemie infant with shock, signs of poor perfusion, a bounding right ventricle, a single second heart sound. All of this brings up the concern for acute pulmonary hypertensive crises. Let's go ahead and start with a multiple choice question. Of the following, the best treatment for an acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis in a six-month-old, X26-week preemie without congenital heart disease who's mechanically ventilated secondary to RSV bronchiolitis is which of the following? A, starting sildenafil. B, hypoventilation. C, starting milrinone. Or D, sedation and paralysis. Rahul, the correct answer here is D, sedation and paralysis. Although not a choice, I would recommend giving 100% oxygen, which is a potent vasodilator, preferably with bag mask ventilation, which hyperventilation does is causes alkalemia and causes pulmonary vascular vasodilatation. Of the choices given in the above question, none will be helpful in an acute pH crisis although they are frequently used to treat pulmonary hypertension in children. Milrinone is a phosphodiesterase 3 inhibitor, 
which increases cyclic AMP, whereas sildenafil is a PDE5 inhibitor, it increases cyclic GMP. Hypoventilation is a wrong answer. It will increase the PCO2, which is a potent stimulus for pH crisis. If available, inhaled nitric oxide could be used, but it was not a choice for this question. Excellent summary. To summarize for us as listeners, acute pulmonary hypertension, you have to think about the pulmonary vasculature. The pulmonary vasculature is very responsive to changes in oxygen, pH, and carbon dioxide. Rahul, as you think about a case, what else would be in your differential? Some of the things which can be in our differential would be cold shock. Although in patients without pulmonary hypertension, the cardiac exam will not reveal a loud single S2 or a hyperdynamic right ventricle like in this patient. Tetralogy of fallow spells or TET spells are these cyanotic spells typically seen in infants with congenital heart disease and a VSD such as seen in Tetralogy of Fallot where the VSD is going to be right to left. Remember that as a result, the deoxygenated blood is shunted from the right ventricle to the left ventricle and subsequently you are going to bypass the pulmonary circuit. And the reason why you have this right to left shunt is because of increased pulmonary vascular resistance. Now, the cardiac exam may reveal reduced intensity or no murmur, as the murmur due to the right ventricular outflow tract obstruction is proportional to the blood flow to the pulmonary circuit. We should also be vigilant of obstruction or kinking of the endotracheal tube. Patients who have such mechanical obstruction can have hypoxia, bradycardia, and hypoxic arrest. All of these findings can be seen in a pulmonary hypertensive crisis as well. So just to go through some basic physiology, remember that in pulmonary hypertension, due to increased RV afterload, you're going to have impairment of forward flow. Thus, clinically, these patients are going to present with poor perfusion and hypoxemia. All right, Pradeep, so say that you have to work up this patient with pulmonary hypertension. What would be your diagnostic approach? Rahul, really, uh, I think during an acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis, you don't need any investigations, especially in a patient with a a known uh, history of pulmonary hypertension, such as this infant or an infant with chronic lung disease, BPD, or an infant with known cyanotic heart disease. Now, once the patient is stable, consider getting a chest x-ray to make sure the endotracheal tube is in the right position. Get a blood gas to check for ventilation. If the patient is febrile, then a CBC with a differential plus a blood culture should be considered and should even consider starting antibiotics. An EKG may reveal right atrial hypertrophy, right ventricular hypertrophy, and an echo may reveal findings suggestive of pH, such as enlarged right atrium, right ventricle, increased RV pressure, systolic flattening of the septum. Rahul, what is the pathophysiology of an acute pH crisis? This is a great question. So let's kind of go through the pathophysiology now. A pulmonary hypertensive crisis occurs when the pulmonary vasculature presents with such a high resistance that there is little or no preload to the left ventricle and a massive unsustainable afterload to the failing right ventricle. This can be triggered by multiple causes, including parenchymal lung disease, fever, pain, anxiety, tracheal suctioning, hypovolemia, increased cardiac demand, acidemia, aspiration, GERD, accidental interruption of a prostanoid infusion, etc. Now, the massive loss 
of left ventricular preload and increased right ventricular afterload results in a drop in not only systemic cardiac output, but a drop in coronary blood flow. Decreased coronary blood flow actually causes worsening right ventricular function. So here you're in a downward spiral. The higher the systemic right ventricular pressure pushes, the more the interventricular septum bows into the left ventricle, and that is going to further worsen the left ventricular filling due to the septal kinetics and the ventricular interdependence. A vicious cycle ensues, resulting in worsened left ventricular performance, bradycardia, as well as asystole. Now, once this point is reached, it is rare that cardiopulmonary resuscitation will sufficiently return cardiac output without significant multi-organ damage. Rahul, if uh, the, our history, physical exam, and diagnostic investigations lead us to an acute pH crisis, what would be your general management framework for such infants with pH crisis? That's a great question, Pradeep. Although pulmonary hypertension management depends on treating the underlying cause, during an acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis, you can use the following therapies. So if the patient is on the ventilator, you can pop them off and start bag masking them with 100% oxygen. And this will hopefully vasodilate the pulmonary vasculature. Remember that oxygen is a potent vasodilator and hyperventilation in this setting will decrease the CO2 levels within the lungs and also cause vasodilation. You also want to bolus sedation because this decreases sympathetic drive and thus modulates your pulmonary vascular resistance. You may also consider giving a dose of a neuromuscular blocker such as rocuronium to further relax the vasculature. Finally, considering inhaled nitric oxide at 20 to 40 parts per million, if available, can be used as this therapy is a direct pulmonary vasodilator and works by increasing cyclic JMP. Inhaled nitric oxide causes selective pulmonary vasodilation and improves VQ matching as well as pulmonary vascular resistance. Great, Rahul. Additionally, we can correct metabolic acidosis using IV sodium bicarb, treat bradycardia and hypotension. We can also use fluid bolus if patient is dehydrated or sometimes this uh, preemies are overdiuresed. After acute crisis is mitigated, there should be consideration given to use of anti-reflux therapy or treatment of infection. A short course of steroids can also be used to decrease inflammation, although this may not help in the acute crisis phase. We have also used ipoprostenol, uh, which is PGI-2 infusion, more to treat acute pulmonary hypertension rather than in a crisis. Typically, ipoprostenol of Flolan is started at 2 nanogram per kilo per minute and slowly increased by 2 nanogram per kilo per minute to a max of 10 to 11 nanograms per kilo per minute. Excellent, Pradeep. I'm so glad we got to highlight some of the modalities of treatment. I would also add to the management of an acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis the use of periarrest epinephrine as well as considering an epinephrine continuous infusion as this can give you improved contractility to get blood across the pulmonary bed. All right, to summarize for all of us today, long-term management of pulmonary hypertension is going to be focused on modulating the nitric oxide pathway, the endothelin pathway, as well as the prostacyclin pathway. 
So Pradeep, are there any recent publications related to acute pulmonary hypertensive crises? Yes, Rahul, we have posted uh, references on our website, pqdoconcall.org. So all the references are showing up in our show notes, and I would highly advise listeners to look at those references to get more information about management of pulmonary hypertension crisis. Rahul, what uh, textbook can we find more information about pH crisis? The Furman and Zimmerman textbook of pediatric critical care, chapter 53, which goes through diseases of pulmonary circulation by Zhang et al. is a great read. Rahul, what are the key objective takeaways from our podcast today? All right. To summarize today's episode, acute pulmonary hypertension crisis is a life-threatening event that requires immediate therapy using oxygen, sedation and paralysis, inhaled nitric oxide, and prevention of bradycardia and hypotension. A multidisciplinary approach with specialists from cardiology, pulmonary teams are needed in the management of patients with pulmonary hypertension in the PICU. Intensivists should understand the triggers for acute pulmonary hypertensive crises and try to avoid these triggers to prevent such crises and treat the underlying cause if these crises should occur. Rahul, thank you for that excellent summary of pulmonary hypertension crisis objective takeaways. This concludes our episode on acute pulmonary hypertensive crisis. We hope you found value in a short case-based podcast. We welcome you to share your feedback, subscribe, and place a review on our podcast. Please visit our website, pqdoconcall.org, which showcases our episodes as well as our PQ Doc on Call management cards. PQ Doc on Call is hosted by me, Pradeep Kamat, and my co-host, Dr. Rahul Dimania. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.